The following talk features David Roos reflecting on what happens when the church seeks first the kingdom. This talk was captured during Portage, the 2018 Vineyard Canada National Gathering, hosted in Montreal, Quebec, in July. While we in Vineyard have embraced the kingdom story, we have embraced the version as told by George Eldon Ladd 30 years ago and applied it to the issues of why we should be doing the deeds of Jesus and why our success rate in doing them is not 100%. John was challenging us. In most other aspects of our theology, we have taken over typical evangelical theology or, in some cases, charismatic theology. Now, at the stage when our movement developed, this was a major step forward. It was indeed a third wave of the Spirit. I think, I think we've got enough history under our belt to affirm Peter Wagner in his assessment at that time that there really was something that the Spirit of God had initiated. There was this wave, according to uh, Peter, as he was sitting in the mission, mission, head missions chair at Fuller Theological Seminary, observing church growth, church movements. He kind of identified this wave we call Pentecostalism that began around the 1920s, a, a passionate, fervent, fiery African-American uh, brother just down the road from where I used to live in Los Angeles, spoke in tongues just, just like our sister here. And it's revolutionized the world. It's this Pentecostal movement. Then around the 1960s was this thing called the charismatic movement. It was slightly different because it was popping up in, in Catholic churches. It was, it was popping up in various and sundry parts and smatterings across the body of Christ. Many of them would gather across denominational lines. And there was this work of the Spirit. But both in the Pentecostal wave and the charismatic wave, there were several things that, that they were clinging to as their key identifi- identifiers. And one of them was that you must speak in tongues if the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you had this crazy fat man just trying to get to heaven, stepping out in the 1970s and 1980s and going, you know what? I've got this Quaker roots. I've got this sort of you know, I don't want to hype or manipulate. This is so deep in my understanding of how God works. Some of you aren't aware of this, and I think there's several of us across the movement right now, some academics in the United States, some of us are starting to think about it here in Canada. It's coming up in reflection. I, I, not knowing some people in the United States were thinking this already, I got in touch with Carl Tuttle and a couple others. That's a, a Carl Tuttle was an initial worship leader in this tiny little living room uh, when they were just singing worship songs and tired of the grind of church and they just kept landing in Psalm 42. When can we actually go and meet with God? When can we go and meet with God? And this cry began to stir. I have some dear friends across the music industry, long story there, uh, but one very famous person and name dropping A doesn't help, B it just makes you look bad, and C it's not important to the story. Just know a very sophisticated, well-known artist ended up in a very great church in the U.S. at some points, and it's not about the whatever, but his daughter had been longing to find a church to go to, and one of my friends uh, across the ocean 
had him on the phone. He said, hey, how'd the church go? He goes, well, man, it, I haven't been to church for a long time. Like, I was kind of blown away. Like, I'm on tour all the time, and I'm doing these big gigs and all this stuff. He's like, I, I hadn't been to church. And I was like, hokey Dinah, like, what an incredible show. Like, their lighting rig was, like, as good as what we travel with. And, like, we, like we charge, like, 500 bucks to go to a concert. And I said, rabbit trail, why are we charging money to attend a worship event? Okay, rabbit trail. So he's, he's in the, this is why you no longer find my songs on CCLI. So the, um, like for real, I'm not kidding. Back, well, that, we'll have another talk over a beer a few nights from now. But um, so he's chatting with my friend and he, he says, you know, man, the, it was amazing. And the, the excellence, I was just like mind blown and the great riffs and songs and Truth be told, he says, I could hear some of my influence in the, in, it's even in the tones and the sounds. And he goes, but he says, I was kind of left a little bit disoriented. My friend's like, well, what, why, what's going on? He says, well, I actually went there to meet with God. Great speaker, super inspirational talk, but I actually went to meet with God. And we just thought, if we could do it just like the really good ones out there. And of course, we must pursue excellence. We must pursue great sound and all this stuff. I mean, look, we care about the art. You cannot care about the arts and not care about excellence. Like, like it's kind of impossible. But what is in the driver's seat? What's at the heart of that thing? And so Carl tells us, when can we go and meet with God? And they just start writing these songs and just kind of breaking themselves. And they were part of a Quaker community. The, the, the journey, where I'm going with this, the journey with Calvary Chapel was like so short. And so many people think the roots of the vineyard came out of the Calvary churches. But the truth is, our roots go deep into the Quaker sensibilities. Now, that doesn't make it better, worse, whatever. It's like uh, Tim Schultz had that, where we've got to know where we came from to know where we're going. And there's something about that sensibility that the Lord is restoring to us. Restoring to us. It's beginning beginning. Third wave. So it was a little different. We didn't think, well, tongues isn't like a badge. I don't think you mind me saying, babe. I mean, Anita has been knocked down, backed around, prayed by, jumped on, you know, whatever. Every possible major Christian leader, like in our sphere, has prayed for her to have the gift of tongues. It's just never come. But I cannot lay down a mic drop like she did at the beginning of this meeting. Do you think she heard from the Lord? Do you think the Spirit is speaking to my friend? And the tongues might roll one day. I don't know. I know I'm screwed without them. But it's kind, of, it's kind of the lesser, it's kind of the, a lot of times, you see, the point of, I think, of the Corinthian text is it's typically the ones that think they're the stronger ones that are got to help the weak. It's actually the opposite. It's the ones that think they're stronger, actually the weak ones that are pretty fragile and get bent out of shape really, really quick. But they seem to be the mature ones and everything. And the text is like, flip that on its head. 
So we need the whole work of the Spirit. But it was this sort of disarming, disengaging. And it wasn't just about trying to be cool or hip or not wear a tie or anything. At the heart of it was a desire for an authentic expression of faith. So we have to ask ourselves, have we drifted from that original posture? What we need to do now is to embrace living the teachings of Jesus, not just doing the deeds, and to appropriate the updates of the kingdom story. This is, again, from Peter Davids in 2004. It was buried in one of our Vineline magazines, and I just don't know if we listened then. Peter's now, and we celebrate it and open our hands. He's now a Catholic priest. Like, why? Don't go, oh, what happened to that guy? He lost his, he lost his core. Why, how can any vineyard person join the Catholics? It's like, I don't know. Bless Peter. Let him go. Let, let him run. Let him fly. But there was something, and I don't know how that brought him into, into Catholic. I don't know, but we celebrate it. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay to talk about it around coffee. It's okay to talk about it. Come out of the shadows. We've got to start communicating, start dialoguing, talk about the painful bits of our story as well. It's the good bits. And we're creating a lot. We're, creating, we're going to keep creating pain stories, so let's like keep talking about them. It's okay. As long as our hands are open and our hearts. Are filled with compassion. I mentioned the other night being so impacted by the kingdom message of Vineyard was articulating when I first encountered her in 1987 that the church and the kingdom were not synonymous, that the sermon and the Beatitudes were to be lived, breathed, incarnate. The other really disarming thing for me was the current fruit of this Quaker branch, and I, and I did my rabbiting on that already. This capacity to wait, this capacity to rest, to not hype, not coerce, not only the work of the Spirit, but the engagement of the church. All of this impacted the worship, not only the songs themselves, which reached for a level of intimacy and authenticity like I'd never experienced, but the why of the song. We weren't just singing, but set in this certain sacramental way, full of expectation and hope, yet not afraid of an almost uncomfortable ease with the place of brokenness. I want to tell you, those songs are not allowed in the top tier of CCLI today, which is okay. It's a good marketing decision, honestly. It's a brilliant business move. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me and heal me. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me and free me. Set my feet upon a rock, put a new song in my heart, in my heart. Oh Lord, 
Have mercy on me. It's really hard to get that right on a YouTube video. I've tried. We were to continue to grow up into these aspects of our lane, our calling, our little tiny, clumsy, we've always said this about ourselves, maybe sometimes too much, but I think we need some of it back, or, you know, or just this sense, it's okay, like we can be comfortable in our own skin. We'd, you know, we were to grow, we were to mature, we were to take the essence of the kingdom, and begin to expand it, to grow it, to experiment, to step out, to risk. And like Jesus taught us, to come back and debrief, sprinkled all throughout the Gospels, you have these wonderful little flashpoints where it's like they're in a house. So the transfiguration, glory of Jesus is coming. Disciples are down in the plains getting their butts kicked by a demon they've never run into this kind before. They've been like, pew, 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 pew. Like healing, miracles, everything everywhere. And Jesus is like, well, this is looking good. He runs up on the hill, you know, gets like Elijah and Abraham, and there's a few close friends. This is like amazing. And the rest of them are down in the plains, and they cannot get the spirit out of an epileptic child. And like John said, they start to get afraid. They're like, well, we screwed up. What did we do wrong? So Jesus is like, I love this. He gets them in a house away from the crowds, away from the zone, and he starts debriefing. Okay, guys, what happened? Here's some advice. In my experience, and talking to the father, and this kind doesn't come out without, like, some really serious prayer. Fasting was added much, much later in the manuscripts, but it's kind of fair because Jesus said we would fast, and it was so much a part of the early church's rhythms But we've got to be fair to the text as well. Fasting ain't in the original. Prayer. But but see, I don't think we understand prayer. So somewhere in the journey of the church, probably in the, I'm guessing now, in the last hundred years or whatever, we're so bad at prayer, we thought, well, we'll add fasting to it because that'll make it seem like we're really serious. And Jesus wasn't talking about a formula. Oh, now this is the new way. This is now the new method. This is the latest book. This is the latest thing. It's no, on the journey, you'll encounter new things again and again and again and again. What is the kind that we are facing today? I don't know, actually, and it's hard. What is this? Man, everything that worked before is not working now. What's the answer? Get in a room with Jesus and shut up and listen. The incredible need and vacated space of a Quakeresque, I made that up, approach to healing and the Spirit's power was severely lacking and its awakening created a way for many cessationists and conservative Christians to take a risk and believe. Signs and wonders, amazing. But the end game was never to be signs and wonders. The end game was never to be a published song. 
The end game was to be Jesus getting his church back, as Wimber used to say, and the love and respect of people. Again, this informed and shaped the way we engaged with power ministry big time. It informed and shaped the way we stepped into instrumentation and the presentation of music. It shaped and informed the way we dressed, the way we cared for the poor, the way we did church and did the stuff. I believe our intent was to seek first the kingdom. This trajectory was to take us into a deeper understanding, a mission, a deeper understanding and administration of justice, a more fleshed out ecclesiology. But some things began to shift. Prophecy slowly became now from the stage, and it started wowing us. Well, I know your address, and I know your phone number, and I know your dad's name, and I know I've got, I, I, I got a journal of these kinds of words. We, we were right in the midst of this stuff, and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things were happening. But I got so many boner words at the end of all that stuff. I just had to just keep my hands open, love Jesus, not despise prophecy, and keep pressing into him. Because he is speaking, and his voice comes, and he speaks like a rain, not water from a spout. But we started getting wowed by the prophetic. Words of knowledge that sparked the entire gathering into body prayer ministry. All of a sudden now we're becoming prophetic words from a platform by an elite person in the church. High level words that only few prophets seemed to have access to, and the platform grew quite large. Now, in that season and to this very day, I know many prophets that have that level, and they don't seek the platform, and they're praying for people in backgrounds everywhere, back rooms everywhere, and lives are radically being changed, and you'll never hear their names until heaven. I love the whole package. I love the whole thing, but who I feel safest with is those people. Wimber was constantly pressured to, in his words, put on the t-shirt with the capital A. You're an apostle, John. You're shirking your responsibilities. You're not being obedient to the Spirit. Step it up. And John over and over and over refused. Now, what people, I think, don't understand, he was never afraid, nor did he ever shy back from his apostolic calling. You don't plant an international movement of church planting churches and not realize something apostolic is going on. But it was like, I'm not wearing the t-shirt. How many of you heard John ever say that? I'm not wearing the t-shirt. Now again, this isn't to be nostalgic or whatever, but three hands went up. You need to hear this. There were even prophecies that he was one of the end time Two witnesses talked about in the book of Revelation, and he needed to take his place and tour with a certain group of people and all this thing. And I was in the middle of a lot of this, and John would just break. Sometimes he would weep, and he says, I can't play this game. I just can't do this. And he'd open the door to a lot of this type of prophetic ministry, which I celebrate in our history. That is, you know, it's kind of like... That era in our vineyard journey was like the roller coaster where you're just going clack, 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 You know, and it's like absolutely terrifying, but thrilling. And it's like, oh, if we could just do this again. 
And then you get off the ride and you go, no, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> Obviously, that was not a right word. I remember being with John one time as he was ministering. Can you pray for my ministry? Can you pray for my ministry? Can you pray for my ministry? One time, sitting at the edge of the stage, long, 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 long line of people, like be further than the, than the distance of this room. And that was the yes of it. Can you pray for my ministry? And over and over and over, I would hear him say, no. People would look shocked, even offended. He would say, there's only one ministry. It's the ministry of Jesus. It's the ministry of Jesus. We all have, I can pray for that. And we all got the same one. There's only one. Now you, I can pray how it looks like for you. Another dynamic was that of a subtle waning away of robust equipping, teaching, and engaged learning. There was a growing posture of waiting for the silver bullet, the word, the extraordinary breaking in of tangible manifestations of God's presence that started not to just be a signpost of the kingdom come. We thought that was the kingdom. If the breakthrough didn't come, the kingdom didn't come. If the feathers didn't fall or the gold didn't appear, the anointing was gone. Like addicts constantly needing another hit, Another fix for a better high, a better experience. We too began to be addicted. We were perhaps becoming susceptible to looking for a presence, a presence, or the evidence of the kingdom among us and making that the goal instead of the presence of Jesus himself, the autobasileia, the kingdom personified. We were perhaps... Sincere, I was. I got disoriented. One of my favorite texts is John in the book of Revelation. An angel starts prophesying. He's like, oh my goodness, I've never heard anything like this. This must be God. And he starts, remember this, he falls down to worship the angel. I think it's Revelation 19. And the angel is like, dude, get up. I had a friend who tried this once. Like, it didn't go very well. Like, is anybody looking? Like, get up. Worship God. Worship God. Worship God. Worship God, he says. If John from the Isle of Patmos zinged out into this heavenly experience, can dis get disoriented by the power, it there it could be incredibly disorienting for us here, would you not think? It's why we need each other. It's why we need discernment. It's why we need out of the mouths of two or three. It's why we need safety. It's why we need process. It's why we have to welcome discernment and the harsh things and the words, but it is distilled through the beauty of the filter of the community. Always reaching, 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 always reaching for Jesus. For the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It's his word. It's his role. It's his way. So we're in this portage. We're in this rick. How, how freaking amazing is this? I, you didn't know what I was going to go. The portage. We're here. And it's this in-between. You know, Schultz was saying this liminal thing, this in-between thing. We're kind of like slugging through this thing, canoes bonking off our heads, and we're kind of hitting each other and trying to figure it out, stepping on each other's toes a little bit, tripping over a vine here and there. 
really tempting to just toss the canoe, just give it all in, and just like go find another canoe. Or even better than that, there's some really good speedboats that I've seen online, and I could like, I could get a speedboat, and I could hit another body of water, just get on. And we're, you guys, we're just stuck with this canoe, and we're like clunking across this thing. But it's because we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. And you know it's not time to settle. Not quite yet. You're part of something that is in motion and will not stop in its violent commitment to reach, to dream, to prophetically embody and cooperate with, surrender to, and engage in the transforming power of this kingdom coming, this kingdom here. Repent. The kingdom is upon you. Think again. The kingdom is upon you. Reach again. The kingdom is upon you. Believe again. Believe again. Dream again. The kingdom is upon us. It is here now and yet with still a whole lot more to come. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride cry out. Creation groans. Can you hear the cries of the oppressed, the hurting, the dying, those entangled by the power of their greed, their need to consume, their need to belong, their need to just be something, to be someone, the endless cycle of the oppressor and the oppressed, the relentless whirlpool of wounding and revenge, the crippling disease of a consumerism that will never, never be enough. Come. Come, all who thirst. Come, all who bleed. Come, all who are hurting. Come, all who long, rich and poor together. First Nation, Métis, Inuit, Caucasian, Asian, Black, Astroloid. One, these mountains are being made low. These valleys are raising up. The crooked paths are being coming straight. There is level ground at the feet of Jesus. At the foot of the cross, come, stand with me. Stand with me. Stand with Anita. Stand with our kids. Stand with the Riegers. Stand with the Stovels. Stand with us here on the level ground. Solidarity. Eternal life. It is here. Don't be afraid. It is here. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Surrender every day. Every month, every year, every decade, every century, advancing the kingdom with or without us, perhaps. Yet, rather, someone is leading us. It ain't Anita, it ain't me. It's our Messiah King. The image of the Invisible God, the firstborn among creation, the Alpha, the Omega, the Morning Star, the Lamb, standing tall and slaughtered, ever interceding for those His kingdom has yet to reach, those yet to be conquered by its love. He pulls us in His wake, toppling everything out of the way in our forward, propelling, relentless motion of the ever-advancing kingdom. Destroying everything that stands against the beauty, the grace, the upside-down glory of God that will cover the earth. Shimmering on the islands, dancing across the mountains, and releasing the trees 
in the rhythms of freedom and righteousness that will release the thunderous sounds of praise and a clapping that will bring rulers and kings to their knees, all that are oppressors, and stifles the image of the Creator. We say to you, you are done at the cross. To all who are dead, diseased, dormant, unanimate and still, the resurrection power of the Lamb is here. And it's within your reach. The kingdom is here. So, blessed are you when you mourn. Blessed are you when you break. Blessed are you when you bleed. The kingdom is here. The lies of the enemy have been exposed. You are not lost. You are not forlorn. You are not alone. The kingdom is here. The king is here. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 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 We can do this thing. We can do this thing. We can step in for His Spirit is here. Say with me, come Holy Spirit. Open your hands. Come Holy Spirit. His strength is perfected in your weakness. His glory shines in our surrender. His power is here to be given away again and again and again. Freely received, freely given, not to be grasped, not to be held. But by the transforming power of the mind of Christ, we turn this world, yes, this world. Montreal, Kelowna, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Halifax, Newfoundland. Prince Edward Island, Northwest Territories, none of it. Yes, this world, upside down with the healing that drips from the stripes on his back. See, his power's here. Let it come. Let it come. The beauty that is sculpted from the ash heap. The oil that is glad. The laughter that heals, though it springs from the wells of heaviness and pain. Oh, how the oppressed teach us this. The humor of the oppressed of the earth is the most rich, the most real, the most disarming on the planet. The Irish, the African American, the Jew. The dancing of those who mourn. The freedom of movement that moves in those who most need liberating is contagious. And real and powerful and liberating in and of itself. The praise that rises from those who have seen the kingdom break the power of despair. A hut in the deepest regions of the Congo. A friend of mine who was there, terrified of the warlords, huddled with a handful of believers who were longing for a word of comfort. Something, just something. But he could not speak, overcome by the horrors he had witnessed. First outside visitor in over five years. He could not speak, but only weep. Then she spoke. An old woman, still hurting, like present hurting from the multiple rapes she had been succumbed to that very day. By her oppressors. I have something to say. 
I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God sent you here. I am so thankful that our God is with us. Then she sang. Beautiful Swahili. I've heard it. It was captured on an iPhone, still barely alive, its battery almost dead. A nervous thumb pressing record, hoping to capture something of this gift. This moment, as he himself would be rescued by two UN convoys very soon to extricate him from this hell on earth. Yes, he told me that. David, I've been to hell. Some months of trauma therapy after his return to Europe, and I recognized the song, but I couldn't believe it. Good old Baptist boy could recognize the melody in the glorious, saturated harmonies of the African-American soul. The beauty of the Spirit filling the sound. I recognize the song. There is none like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. He will never leave or forsake us. Every man sitting in that hut had his genitalia flying like a flag on the aerials of the warlords just outside the door. He will never leave or forsake us. He will never leave or forsake us. Now we think the kingdom hadn't come. But the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom is upon them way more than me. I don't even know if you can quantify it like that. It makes me feel like. How could they sing it? Because the kingdom is here. Powers. Zeus. Poseidon. Aphrodite. Mammon. Consumerism. Racism. Privilege. Abuse of power, lust, rage, insanity, greed. The Lamb has disarmed you. Making a public spectacle of you at the cross. We will not bow. We will not submit. Principalities... New Democratic Party, Progressive Conservatives, Social Democrats, all authorities, we bless you in the name of the power that is higher, the Lord of Lords. We do, but we will not bow. 
We pray for wisdom and that you will see the ultimate source of your power and not use it for your own ends, your own careers, your narrow platforms. We pray for you, but we will not bow. We will not bow. Rulers of the darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness, the Lord rebuke you. We will not be distracted. We will not fall to your guise of masquerading as angels of light and taking advantage of the vulnerabilities of our humanity and causing us to fight against each other instead of seeing that it is not flesh and blood who is our enemy. It is you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke The Lord rebuke you. I got enough on my plate. The Lord rebuke you. Have we drifted? Have we created a binary where there is none? Well, we didn't see the breakthrough we believe for, that healing, that job, that resource, that partner. Well, well, then the kingdom didn't quite come. But you know, it's coming. Have we created some all-or-nothing expectation that makes us vulnerable to Gnosticism, power, and the yeast of the Pharisees? Perhaps charismatic Pharisees are the worst kind. The kingdom has come. And it's coming, but it has come, so look for it. Look for it. In the midst of the praying for the sick, watch for it. There may be someone leaping out of a wheelchair. Hallelujah. More of it, Lord. But it may be an incredible peace and the capacity to discover the beatitudinal blessing that is present now. Somewhat disguised, somewhat hidden, not because it's a secret of any kind, but because we are blind, we are poor, we are wretched, we are naked. Touch us with your salve, Lord. Heal us with your love. Clothe us with your righteousness. Grace us with your garments. Never lose the longing for the appearing of our Messiah. Too much not yet and not enough now is balderdash. It's both. There is a crown of justice for all who long for his appearing. It's okay to long for the return of Jesus. Don't just, don't, just, don't, get, you know, just don't turn off because he's not here yet. It's the both end. Long for him. Do you long for him? Well, yeah, you can come, but I've got to get married first. Or I've got to sort out that thing. Or I really wanted that trip that I was trying. And God's not opposed to any of that. It's not that. But there is a longing, a burning a yearning that touches those who long for the appearing of Christ, we will receive the crown of justice on our heads. The kingdom has come. It's here. Longing for the new heaven and the new earth, Zion, the city of our God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Open your eyes. The kingdom's here and it's coming. So rest and reach. 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 And when the burden's too big for one to carry, the community carries it together. But carry your own burden and so fulfill the rhythms and grace of community. Don't give up. There's, sometimes it's too heavy. And then we reach. And when one stumbles, we reach and we pick them up. Careful to look at ourselves, lest we then fall into the same pit we're trying to drag them out of because of our arrogance and our, and our Phariseeism. 
Rest and reach, rest and reach, rest and reach, rest and reach, rest and reach. We seek first the kingdom. We seek first Jesus. Canadian Vineyard has limited resource, limited manpower. I want to tell you, blessed are we. Blessed are we. Blessed are we. We have Jesus who takes the loaves and fishes and multiplies them to feed the multitude. We have Jesus who guides the innovation of our slingshots to fling the smooth stones in our hands into the face of the giants that face us and watch them fall and fall hard. So how is the kingdom impacting us now? If we are truly to become ecclesiologists and not churchologists as we look to how to see we shape into the future, what's the landscape we're walking through? So that we may place our canoes in the waters again and find the sweet rhythms of the paddle, boat, and birch gliding through the waters of the Spirit. It's coming. It's beginning. Who will be with us out the other side? A little bit of portaging to do. You know, I looked at the, just across the country, there's signs, there's signs. Campbell River, Barry and Nancy, after a really hard, long slugging spell, there's like signs of health and life, which just isn't numbers, but it's translating into numerical growth and people coming to Jesus and being baptized. You didn't really think that day was going to come, did you? Vineyard Ottawa, our newest church plant in the country, has been given a building, some good healthy initial growth, very healthy leadership team. Regions are beginning to get well and gel. The sense of we across the country is remarkable. I looked at the panel today, and I was kind of surprised. We didn't think this through. We didn't plan it. But there it was. Rohati, amazing innovator and prophetic agitator for us in our movement. Don, the Brit and an amazing apostle and innovator in community. Drew Hart, our African-American prophet. Rick Bergen, Canadian, home in Brazil. Sukit, our dear friend and faithful leader to not just the Vineyard Church in Thailand, but to so many others and indeed across all of Indochina. I don't think we've seen that kind of diversity just naturally bubble up in like years and years, maybe ever. I am grateful. It's beginning. Small. Will you despise these small days? We're still wrestling for health in many of our systems, many of our leaders, many of our people. I thought we were through it, and then someone had a dream, a bus, this tour bus kind of snaking through the mountains. And, you know, I don't know how this works in dreams because I don't get them, but they're kind of like, you know, if I ever have them, I'm always naked. So that's kind of like why I can't tell them. But it's like, you know, so there's someone in this dream, and they zone down into the bus, and they think it's a tour bus, and it's Vineyard Canada. And we're like, yeah, we're rolling down the road. And they get inside the bus and they start looking around. They go, oh my goodness, this isn't a tour bus. It's a triage bus. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. We're okay. At least the bus is rolling. It hasn't fallen off the cliff. We're in motion, but we're still bleeding. We'll be okay. 
We've got so much rebuilding to do at a regional level. Systems of care are almost non-existent. But relationship has sustained us. And I'd rather have a bit of that than a clunky structure. But we need both. So pray for the national team. So we try to glean from you, dialogue, wrestle, and pray together to discover what is good to us and the Holy Spirit about where we should put our focus. In what I hope is the last leg of this portage. Key question is, what is God saying? That's the key question. What is God saying? And I don't think we've discerned it fully. But here's a few things I think, and this will go really fast. We cannot be driven by financial, political, or cultural pressures. We are being thrust into wrestling with a different posture between sharing and giving. It's very important to distinct. Giving and sharing are two entirely different postures. They're both in the text. But sharing is to sustain community. Giving is to just get out, get out all your surplus to the poor. Pray for the board of directors, wisdom, grace. Where do we rest? Where do we reach? We are needing to rethink the usefulness of using cultural relevance as a modus operandi to more that of embedding in faithfulness, courage, and humility with the presence of Jesus present in the culture, but letting go of the pressure to be cool or hip or engaged, but to be a faithful present to Jesus, not just using his name, but actually living like he transforms us to be. Many will come and say, I did it in your name, and Jesus really has no relationship with them at all. We must not shy away from the difficult dialogue and process around our understandings of soteriology, sexuality, and hermeneutics. It's a discussion. There's no statement in that. Please don't hear that. But as much as we want the conversation to be over, it just feels like it's not done. And I know some of you can't hang in anymore. And some have left because they just think we're taking it too slow and... Others are put, you know, it's, it, 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 we're there. I, my gut is, and this is not, defend, no, I won't say that because then I'll be just held accountable with the public forum, but I, we're close. We're close. It's going to cost. All, just all the way, it's going to cost. So we cannot be driven by finance. We cannot be driven by numbers. We, we can't. We're going to lose, I think we're going to, I think God can salt, do this and his miracle will come, but we're going to, we could lose friends. We could not lose, but I mean, find different ways to walk. I think that's part of what's ahead of us. But is that. Centered set? Who do you have in the center? Who's the Jesus you see? Hebrews 2 points this question to the church. Who's the Jesus you see? Time to slow down a little bit. Take a deep breath and recalibrate who the Messiah is. Secondly, church planning, mission, evangelism, community development. Grassroots, let the tent be as wide as we can be. Ideas, risks, go for it. But where do we put our resources nationally? Chasing the kingdom first. Responding to the Spirit's leading, allowing dreamers and innovators to rise to the surface like a fine cream. This will demand partnership, open hands, especially in the urban environments. It requires a new sense of unity and love for the whole church that takes us into actual, like Tim was saying, engagement and partnership. It must happen, and the Spirit is at work. 
I was removed from a denomination, Anita and I, 30 years ago in our quest for the Spirit. It was very, very costly to us. I'm going to speak to that denomination with the National Vineyard Director hat on in November this year at their national gathering in Richmond, British Columbia. To celebrate that. I mean, that's like, honestly, that is a miracle. You have no, you have no idea what that journey has entailed. This will require a new sense of unity and love for the whole church. Not some old wineskin of unity, but the humility to be able to cheer each other on rather than try to co-opt one another into what we're doing. This includes our growing reconnection with the U.S. Vineyard family. It does. It's good. When we stepped into the role, there was an attitude, in posture, in everything. We just did not speak well of the Americans and the Americans that are here. I'm sorry. And we, I don't think we meant it, but Anita and I had spent 11 years in Los Angeles. And, you know, your ears get kind of just slightly different. And we walked into one of the first vineyard gatherings and the stuff that was being said about Americans. Honestly, it was gut-wrenching. We just tried to talk to some leaders and it was like we were just speaking to the deaf. Like no, no indictment on anyone here, but it was so painful. And I thought, that's me. This, this is mirroring me. And we've got some great stuff to say. We have really good insight, I think, on some of the dynamics, particularly for the church, that are playing out south of the border. But we've got to let go of our arrogance. Larry Levy leaned to me in the panel this morning. There was a mention of, you know, the phrase in the U.S., you know, make America great again. And Larry leaned to me and said, yeah, our problem is we think we're already great. Huh? But we just don't say it very much, and we say sorry and open the door. Discipleship on ramps and three sustainable models. We're going to do a think tank in the fall, try to get, gather some thinkers, innovators, leaders together and just go, what have we outsourced that we should have never given away? We got tired, we were low resource, and we outsourced all kinds of things, and there's wonderful things to glean, and there's aspects of that we can never lose, but what, as John, you know, John's, again, that's a word, like, let's not be afraid, and let's just step in with what Jesus has given us, and just be faithful. I was in the North, uh, Ted Kim was there, I was in New York last year with the North, or Northeast Regional thing, and they've asked me to come and speak, and it's a big group, and it was so fun, and it was family, and just before I'm going to speak, they got up and announced the amount of new churches that had been planted in the United States in that year, and it was like significantly larger than our entire movement. So I just said, hey, share the wealth, like, for goodness sake, send a few up north, Honestly, like, I'm okay with it. You're all like, Ugh. like, that's not a bad thing. Like, we got to get over that that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's just be comfortable in our own skin. Health, fourth, health begins health. We're not through this triage bus. Spiritual formation, contemplate, contemplative justice. We're looking at developing a best practices series. We really, I think, want to develop and talk about nationally, what is our logics? What are our metrics? And I think it's much more about baptism than it is about numbers. 
Why Vineyard, we're going to develop some of this material more. We've been working on it for a couple of years, and I'm sorry it hasn't come out the, the pipeline yet, but it's coming. Metanoia conversations, we're going to have all throughout the fall to address some of the hard bits that we're just working through. John Stovell shared a little bit about that tomorrow morning, and I went way longer than I should have. Very I'm not sorry.